0: Well, good morning. good morning. It is uh, good to be back with you. I was here, uh, I think it's the first time this year, but I've been here the last few years a few times, and what a, a joy. My wife uh, sends her regards, regrets she couldn't make it. Uh, she also sends her prayers, because when she's not here, I get way too relaxed and comfortable. And so, John, I'm going to count on you. No, I'm not counting on John for anything. See, it's already started. And uh, if I act too relaxed and comfortable, it's because I have felt at home here for a long time and uh, and I'm just thankful to be a part of the uh, ministry of your church, and you have received the ministry from your church as well. I was with Matt uh, this weekend, uh, this week up in Minnesota. Uh, it's good to see him uh, there. He is uh, part of a team called the Spiritual Heritage Committee in the Free Church, and uh, known, loved, and respected uh, there at the national office, and, and to a lot of folks in the Free, National Free Church as well, and so your church is very well represented uh, there, and uh, it was good to be with them. President Kevin uh, Complin says, sends his greetings. I told him where I'd be this weekend, and he recalled fondly being here just uh, a few years ago for one of your anniversaries, and so uh, Prez Kev, I call him Prez Kev. He's not here. I don't think he watches these online, so uh, he says uh, he'll, he sends his greetings as well, and uh, uh, I want to make sure I thank you for taking care of your pastor. Um, Not many guys are in ministries, uh, one ministry for 25 years, and um, and that's a long haul. And the last three years, particularly, have been a phenomenally uh, long haul. It's almost like an extra 25 years thrown up on top of 25 years uh, for pastors and for churches as they've navigated all the things that have gone on. We don't need to rehearse. Uh, all of those things, but it's not been an easy time to be a believer or to be a uh, pastor in a church. And so thank you for how you guys have walked through uh, this time together and then honored uh, the ministry of Matt and Heather and letting them uh, have a time away. Uh, I can tell you, Matt can tell you, that uh, he is a different guy. Uh, that break was very helpful for him and what's good for the pastor is good for the people. And so, you know, selfishly, you blessed yourself as well. But uh, thanks for taking care of him. Uh, churches that don't do that end up looking for new pastors every few years. And it's a whole lot easier and less expensive and hassle to go ahead and just take care of the guy you got so he can stay for the long haul, as opposed to wadding them up, throwing them away, and saying, next, I thank God and thank you that you're not those kind of people. And uh, so I just rejoice. One of the reasons Matt was comfortable being away for the three months is uh, having been here for 25 years and uh, equipped saints to do the work of the ministry, being a body builder, uh, he's helped be a part of you guys, also being bodybuilders and equipping one another. And so he had a strong string of ponies in, the, in, the, in his stables. Is that, a, is that an okay metaphor? yeah um some churches have uh, mules and donkeys. you've got good ponies okay we'll go with that code be be encouraged okay uh, that the ministry, as uh, my sister reminded us this morning, is not about the pastor, it's the church and uh and, and it's true of you guys and so could you imagine see so he could be gone for three months and and be comfortable that you guys are taking care of one another and continuing to do ministry together. Could you imagine instead? If someone were new to an area, uh, they just go and have shared the gospel. And some people have come to faith. And it's not been 25 years. Maybe it's like 25 days. And a number of people come to faith in Jesus. And they're just spiritual babies. And then people in the area get a little angry because you've come in and brought the message of Jesus. And they want to get you out of there. And they form a mob. And they start threatening leaders of this new uh, budding church. And you realize that for your own safety, the leaders there say, man, we love you, we're going to miss you, but you need to get out of town or you're going to die here. And we'd prefer you to move along and serve some other people. And and could you imagine instead of 25 years of foundational work as a leader, if you felt like you were orphaned from people you were serving, how you would ache to know how are they doing? You know, can you remember the first time you dropped off one of your kids at a babysitter? you know, and and you had to be reminded every few minutes, it's okay, they're okay, you know, mom's got this, grandma's got this, it's okay, and you just, oh, I can't stand the thought of being away from, it. and now you're going, can somebody take the kids, right, you're in the parking lot saying, you got room for another one, just take one, we'll get them later, maybe, <laughs> but new moms, new dads had that anxiety of knowing, oh, I feel like this kid's been yanked away from me, and and sometimes that happens in, in scenarios. The story we're looking at today, and, and it is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, but it is, really is a story. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 7. And by the way, if you've got a bulletin, my notes are in there. So uh, if I get lost, you can remind me where we are. But we are we are right there. There's two pages for you to follow along. You can. Take notes uh, there and certainly use it to review later and do some further uh, study. So um, we're going to be talking about the kind of things that Paul was very scared. How are they they do it? I mean, it bothered him. He says twice, he goes, I couldn't take it any longer not knowing how you were. So I sent Timothy to find out how you were. And he's come back now and he says, oh, Paul, they're good. They're standing firm in the faith of Jesus Christ. They're showing love for other people and themselves and yeah they remember us they're not mad that we had to go away so quickly they get it in fact they'd love to spend some more time with us Paul Timothy says in his report they're good and Paul writes back to them this letter first Thessalonians says, "Oh, oh man I can really live now I found out you're okay it bothered me I hate getting snatched away from you like that I'm glad that by the grace of God, through the word of God, that you're standing firm in the faith, that you're the kind of people who've got a life of love and that you want to have, you're not just isolating, you want to have ongoing fellowship. He says, this brings me joy. So we're kind of looking today at three kind of things that you'd want to see in a a growing Christian, that we'd want to be true of our own lives for those who uh, nurture us and minister to us in the faith, and we'd also want to see in those who are new in the faith. We'd want them to be people who are, in fact, committed to staying true to the faith. That they are becoming increasingly not just theological eggheads, but also people who love and people who also want to have an ongoing, nurturing relationship back with their uh, mentors in the faith and those they are mentoring. That's the essence of what we're looking at here today. The context does come from Acts 17. Paul and Silas are out ministering. Uh, and they go, through, they go to Thessalonica. And as was his habit, he goes to the synagogue. And you know, he goes to the place where they have a context of knowing about the Bible and, the, and Jesus or the Messiah to come. And he shows them from their scriptures that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. And as in almost every synagogue, there are some who believe and there are others who say no not the case we don't we don't we don't believe that and it's not a neutral message in fact there in Thessalonica uh, that some who do come to faith and some leaders of the synagogue some leading women there uh, who become it also made the Jews jealous and it says they took some wicked men of the rabble and they formed a mob and stirred up the whole city and they attacked one of the new believers And dragged him out and and started to, we're going to beat him and torture him. and, And so things have gone from a wonderful reception to the gospel, to these jealous Jews getting thugs to come and bring havoc to Paul and the new believers. And in verse 19 it says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue and repeat, rinse, rinse and repeat. Paul does the same thing there. So this is the context: the gospel has come to the city of Thessalonica, and people have received Christ as their Savior. And Paul now has to be taken sneak away by night. In fact, he Paul later refers to some of how he snuck out of cities with some sense of shame. He felt embarrassed, but there was no that was really operating in good discernment here. The seed had been received, it was growing, and he needed, And they said, you need to get out of here. It would make life easier for Paul and ongoing life, and for them possibly remove some of the heat from them that they could be secure in the gospel. So Paul now is anxious. How are they doing? He sends Timothy. Timothy, go ask how they're doing. Check in on them. They're just babies. Are they standing firm in the faith? Have this interesting blend of people, of Jews and Gentiles, religious leaders and political leaders, insiders and outsiders. Have they become one or are they separating into their own little groups? Is there love there? And are they mad at us? They understand that we had to leave, right? And so Timothy brings back this report. Yeah, they're standing firm. They show love and they remember us warmly. So this first trait that Paul is encouraged by there. And uh, I want to read uh, for us uh, 1 Thessalonians. Barrett, Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind in Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, you we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you in our labor, which should be in vain. But now Timothy has come to us from you and he's brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us just as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and our afflictions, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you're standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy we, have, we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to faith Face and supply what's lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and and the Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Paul wants to know, are they standing firm in the faith? It was a sense where uh, Matt, I'm sure, when he was uh, away for a little while, wanted to make sure, Boy, are they doing okay? And I think he mostly did a good job of not checking in in a public sort of way. He, he had his little feelers out there, right? And uh, he was checking because who doesn't minister for a long time and want to make sure everything's okay? And, and so to know that you have the confidence of the kind of elders and leaders you have here who have served so well, but again, not 25 years, 25 days or so, are they, are they standing firm in the faith? Now, the faith here is not, you know, oh, I believe, oh, I believe, I wish I could have faith that this was going to happen. There is, there is a place, this is talking about how they do have a confidence in the truth, but the faith often really speaks about the body of truth about Jesus, the faith the content of the gospel once delivered to the saints. Are they holding true to this message, the gospel, the faith? These basic tenets, not just losing faith, but holding to these basic tenets of the gospel, adhering to the gospel message, and not compromising, not altering it. We're seeing uh, whole denominations right now that people are kind of waking up and saying, Our church has done what? We're teaching what? We believe what? And whole denominations are losing thousands of congregations as if some of the people of God kind of say, wait a minute. No, that's not the faith. The faith is this. And so there's always a concern, not just for new believers in the Lord, but people who have walked with the Lord a long time. Are they staying true to the faith? Now, to hang on to the faith, you need to know the faith. You need to know what is faith the message of the gospel. Now, if you only knew John three sixteen, that ain't bad. In fact, let's rehearse it this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but they'll have everlasting life. John three sixteen. That ain't bad stuff. There's a reason we all learned many of us learned it when we were little, right? There is a God <coughs> and he does love us. He sent his son, His son died from our place. If I want to be in right relationship with God and avoid eternity apart from Him, I put my faith in His Son Jesus, who died on the cross, in my place for my sins. I trust in Him. He takes away my sin, He gives me eternal life, brings me into the family, and he's, he is alive again. He's at the right hand of God, and someday when he comes back, we will be together with Him. So John 3:16 has the basis of the faith but doesn't have it all. So if you came to know the Lord with an elementary understanding of the gospel, like we all do, fantastic. But you don't stay there. You grow up learning more and applying more of the faith. So we have a responsibility to grow in the faith, to mature in the faith. If you came to know the Lord as a kid in vacation Bible school 30 years ago, and you're basically still at a vacation Bible school level of the faith, can I challenge you to <clears throat> take some intentionality to repent of not growing up? You know, we got some kids in here today. It is always fantastic to hear kids. It's sad if you come back four years later and the kid has not matured any. We go, wow, that's not God's design. This is, not, this is sad, right? Well, we see. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And, uh But we watch each other in the church and go, oh, they never grew up in the Lord. It's not not acceptable. That's not the norm. It's something to repent of and seek to grow in your knowledge of the faith. That's how you become a source of joy to people who've seen you grow up in the faith, whether it's your mom or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or an elder or, or, or a missionary. You stand firm in the faith and you grow up in the faith and you help people grow up in their faith. So, thank you, Lance. As I understand that you guys are standing firm in the faith. And that is a joy. And that's step one. Paul says, hey, what's, Timothy, are they loving each other? And it was a new community here. You ever, you ever started a club and, and people get to know each other and they say, well, maybe we should go start a different club. <laughs> We're going to start the second club. You guys who are like that can stay in this club, but we didn't really think, we. after we learned a little bit more, didn't belong in that club. And the church is not just to find out that we've got differences and then separate over that. I'm talking about relation. I'm talking about personality differences. I'm not talking about theological differences. I'm talking about people who believe this way about uh, an issue or that, you know, or somebody who's a Penn State fan, someone who's a Pitt fan. I mean, could you abide by that? I'm not confessing anything this morning. I, uh, my district, uh, the Allegheny District, is 35 churches, and we go from the Penn State all the way to the Ohio State. And when I'm over there, I, I confess, I say, we go from the Ohio State to the Penn State. And in between there, we got the Orange Men of Syracuse and, 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 and a host of other places. That's not our point of unity, though. Our unity, though, is, is Christ, and so... In the face of all of our distinctions, even differences way beyond which team you're pulling for, do you love someone only if they are only completely like you? Or when you find out that they're different about you in some way, is there still an ongoing love? Paul was concerned that this new body of believers would not have a love, living a life of love, and so he, but he, that they were, and he commended them for this, and he commanded them to keep growing in this area of love Timothy's come he's brought us good news of your faith and of your love by the way this is not difficult to think about what is that let's see what was that very top commandment Jesus said love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength see. it seems like it was another one there what was the other one and love your neighbor like yourself well no wonder he was concerned and by the way look at the blend here to know God, to be settled in the faith is, helps us to love Him. And if we're not established in our faith and we start drifting, that's a compromising of our love for Him. So are they love people of love for God and for each other? Is there a love that's there? I uh, flew back from Minnesota yesterday beside a gentleman from India. It was an interesting conversation. He'd gone to a um, Christian school growing up and, um, and just it was fascinating but he described every relationship about uh, between religions and, and state everything's political it's political it's political and political and political and, and I appreciated the heart of where he was coming from but he took that word political not just in terms of Republican Democrats or independents but just any kind of social relationship was driven by politics and I thought that was interesting it was kind of sad to hear as well and the conversation didn't uh, t- take the turn. I wanted to ask him uh, about, about how love fits into this and how Jesus has dealt with people who are so different, making it possible for all of us to have a relationship with him and a relationship with each other. A life of love. By what will all men know that you are God's disciple? By the way, you can fight on Facebook. No, by our love for one another and others. Living a life of love. So I don't have a tip sheet to say particular things. I just know after pastoring for 30 years that uh, this is often true. Uh, There's some folks in here this morning who are glad that somebody else is not here this morning. Otherwise, you'd be sitting in a different place and leaving through a different door. It happens in churches, right? Oh, they're here who will just go out that door this morning. Is there anybody this morning that you need to make things right with? That the love between you isn't quite there. You say, well, I don't avoid them. I just will keep it superficial. And sometimes you got to be safe and smart. I get that. There's, guard, there's a holy guardedness. I get that, and boundaries. Uh, but if it's because of lack of forgiveness, and you've settled into just having walls between you. Jesus came to b- abolish walls between people, between guys and gals, Jews and Gentiles, privileged, unprivileged, slave, free. The demographic things that were often going stiff-arming, not even sure they're a believer. Well, they're not sure you're a believer either. Maybe I'll need to have a conversation. It starts humbly at the foot of the cross. So you can have that love for one another and keep living a life of love. Having the faith without love can lead to dead orthodoxy and rigidity. Having love without faith can lead to compromise and softness. Teddy bears with no spines. We need to be people full of grace and truth, right? Grace and truth. Some people are all grace and they never never have a standard. Some people are all truth and they just, they they blame it and they say, I'm a a prophet. I don't think you are. I think sometimes we use that label as an excuse to not be nice. Oh, nice. That's a soft word. Kind. We'll go with kind. It's been tragic to watch in the last couple of years some pockets of Christians arguing about whether we should even be empathetic. There's a word for that. That's Pathetic. Of course we should be empathetic people. Does be empathetic mean you're not compromising or you're a person of truth? Or you're compromising and not a person of truth? Of course not. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He wasn't just making a statement, hey, I'm God and I'm here. He was tempted in every way like we are, except for he didn't sin. He was familiar with everything we could ever experience down here. So when we go to God, we know we have a sympathetic, empathetic, high priest and we need to be those kind of people for other living a life of love Lance I thank God that you have a reputation for being people of the faith and being a people of love and Paul like Paul commended them for their love he also commanded them to keep growing in love don't let the uh, uh, the, the grass grow under your feet the moss grow something there's an analogy there somewhere y'all pick one out and go with it all right multiple choice illustrations this morning I heard someone say, none of the above. That wasn't nice, Peter. <laughs> Peter and I have a strange and wonderful relationship. He's strange, and I'm wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pedro. Somebody has to. I mean, I love Peter. <laughs> he and I get along so well, it scares me, <laughs> and uh, that's fun. He's What a dear, what a dear soul, uh, good old soul, Pedro. You, you can start calling him Pedro. It's okay. He loves that. <laughs> loves it (laughs) I love you (laughs) let's move on (laughs) because Peter's saying about number three I'm not sure about that one right now (laughs) remember desire ongoing fellowship no I've paid my dues (laughs) when I know that Peter remembers me and doesn't mind hanging out with me it encourages me Peter see how I'm doing that Do you see that segue yeah pretty thin right When Paul says, I'm so glad that not only are you in the fa- staying true to the faith and showing love to each other, I am so thankful that we can still have ongoing fellowship. Paul uses a phrase in here. He says, I was orphaned from you. Now think about that. He didn't say you as my children were orphaned from me, snatched away. He describes himself as the one, I've been torn away and I have anguish to get back with you. We have uh, one of our pastors and his wife have just, are just getting back from India. They've been in the slow process of adopting a little girl from there. Uh, Beatrice, kind of like Beatrice Potter and, and uh, your mom in the gardens and they went there. It was really cool. You, you, you tracking with me, Peter? Slowly. Slowly. <laughs> Kevin and uh, Jennifer Martin, you can pray for them. They have uh, two sons. They've already adopted one girl from India. Now they've just gone and it took forever because of COVID and political stuff. And they've known about this little girl for like two years. She's three now. She's seen them online. But, but now they've gone and, and, and she's medical. And they wanted someone with medical needs, like their first daughter. And so they've have brought her back just in the last. They'd started traveling five o'clock Friday and had to bring her back all the way from, from India. And from her. Perspective. She got snatched away from everything she knows. You imagine the turmoil in her. So you can pray for her as they adjust and adopt. Paul's feeling that, and so he's so glad to know, you do know, you remember us. This encourages me. It, this enriches my life. He says, "I really live because you want to have ongoing relationship with me." In fact, you he help me want to pray for you. <clears throat> this coming month, uh, coming up month is uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, and. And and continue to show the appreciation for Matt and Heather and Pedro and the rest of the gang. When you're appreciated, is it encouraging? Yeah, you're human. Uh, Matt mentioned, I got to see it, uh, all the greetings he had on the wall for him. Who drew the... Who was the artist that did the sketches of him? Uh, That is fantastic. In fact, he posted pictures... Of that you're remembering and encouraging them nurture their lives who not just Matt who in your life that has meant something to you in the Lord do you need to go and thank I'd encourage you to thank your elders and their wives again for how they more than just kind of held the fort together in the absence of Matt I just thank them thank you for your ministry for the service who, who are the ones doing the construction and keeping the grounds nice who is it you would do well to go and say i just i want you to know i appreciate what you do you could encourage them you would enrich their lives we we often think as someone who's kind of quote over us that we would have nothing that would ever bring encouragement to them it's not true at all uh, sometimes it, it becomes almost like a a cup of water to someone who's in a parched land. So if, you're, if there's a teacher, a spiritual mentor in your life, someone who just maybe informally... And there are dozens of relationships like this this morning in here. Some of, you have been, some of you older women have been very kind to some younger women in here. And some of you younger women need to let them know, that was so meaningful to me. Some of you young bucks have got some older guys. And you go, wow, I think they were intentional... They checked on me. They asked how I'm doing. A firm handshake. They looked me in the eye and said, how you doing? Let them know. Oh, who who am I to really say that to them? I'm sure it didn't mean anything to them. Trust me. Trust me, it's meaningful. Remember, desire ongoing fellowship. Don't get in a place where you're isolated. Us four, no more, bar the door. You know? Don't get in a place where you're separated with intentionality. No, keep, keep those those uh, doors open. Pass on encouragement like that. Let them know that you missed them. Maybe someone from your church has moved away. And they're establishing life as a <clears throat> college kid or uh, moved just a job. Can you touch base? Send them a card. Let Isaac. Isaac's making this big step. He's hanging out in Indiana. I got it right, right? You know, let Isaac know you miss him. Hey, I, you know, maybe, maybe one of your Sunday school classes or, or small groups or you get together and say, you pass a card around, you sign it. Throw him a gift card in there. Tell him to wait till I get there. He can share it with me. <laughs> There's nothing like remembering and letting people know that, you minister to, that they minister to you and Paul, in fact, it enriched Paul's prayer life. If you look at um, eleven through thirteen, <clears throat> Paul says, "Ah, oh, I'm so relieved. I'm asking God, could He please make a way for us to get there? And and I'm asking God to increase that you would increase and abound in love for one another." He says, "Look, I know you're a people of love. I'm praying that He would keep making you more people of love, and that He would establish you in holiness." Isn't that a good prayer? You want something to pray for somebody you've ministered to in the Lord? There's not a bad prayer at all. Lord, I'd like to have more time with him. But until I can get there with you by your spirit and through your word and through uh, each other, could you help them to keep growing in love for each other? I mean, parents, when our grown kids get together, we want to see that they love each other, right? And support each other. And when they don't, it's painful. Lord, help them to grow and love, and Lord, establish them blameless in holiness. The world is a polluting place, isn't it? I mean, you walk through this world and you just feel like you want to take a spiritual shower sometimes. And if you, if you're, and, and, and if those of you who are working in office environments and, and, and construction or whatever, and you're hearing this kind of stuff that goes on in these places, it, is, it gets in your brain, it gets in your heart, and it's just like, Lord. I feel like I'm getting tainted. Just Well, we don't run and go live in a hole. But we do ask Jesus, help me to grow in blamelessness and holiness before you, before you come back. Some application questions and some study you can do later. Are you solid in the faith? Do you still have just a John 3.16 understanding? There's nothing wrong with John 3.16. and <clears throat> Arguably, you can't do a whole lot better than John 3.16. But you sure can add to the tenets of for God to love the world. Which God? What what are the attributes of this God? The world. Who who did he love? He gave his son. Who is this son? What does it mean to give him? Why did he give him? And whoever believes in him. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus? Perish? Oh, my goodness. What does that mean? Eternal life. Get solid in your faith. And then let your love life. Go from stagnant to growing. You want to cheat, sheet? Get 1 Corinthians 13. Love is this. Love is not this. You want to get more of the not love stuff out of your life and more of the love is stuff in your life. Love is patient. Love is kind. Am I loving? Am I kind? Study the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Live that kind of way. Is your love life growing? Who do you need to make things right with? Initiate that. In as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody here. I love the verse. Paul says, I want you to grow in love for each other and for everybody else. Now, who's included in that everybody else? Hold on. Let's see if I can figure this one out. Oh, you. Oh, Everybody else. <laughs> Hey, I'm tired. I'm sorry. Yeah, but not them. Yeah, them. But not that Yes, them. May you increase in love for each other and for everybody else. So who is in that group of everybody else that just disgusts you? Well, we need to hate sin, but when it taints and we end up hating, as it were, disgusted by sinners as opposed to loving them, God wants to do a work in your heart. And remember and respect those who taught you. Thank them. Is it your turn to start serving other people? Do so. And these kind of traits, these specific three traits here, the life of faith, the faith, life of love, and, and desiring ongoing fellowship, boy, they encourage people who have nurtured you in the faith and they are the kind of things we want to see in our spiritual children